One of my goals with the Secret Podcast is to make the supernatural more natural and the paranormal more normal. These are events and occurrences that happen as a part of our natural and normal everyday lives. We've just been conditioned to ignore them and deny their existence. Well, it's time to undo that conditioning. I'm proud to announce that Ray Davis and I of Sixth Sense Media have created our own Sixth Sense Media clothing line. We can't always go up to somebody and say, hey, what do you think about disclosure and UFOs and aliens on the earth? But you can wear one of our Disclosure Now t-shirts and get people's attention. Start the conversation or connect with another like-minded person who sees your shirt. If you're a truth seeker or someone looking to enact positive change in the world, why not wear it with pride? Connect with other like-minded truth seekers and become the change you want to be and see in this world. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store tab, and become the change you were born to inspire. Visit SixthSenseMedia.net, click on the store. Welcome to Truth Seekers. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, Truth Seekers. Dennis Nappy II here with Sixth Sense Media. Tonight, I want to talk about psychic ethics. And with that, I've got a slew of other news stories. And I also have some important UFO disclosure updates leading with a top retired U.S. Air Force general makes the claim that our space technology is far more advanced than we're being told. Is this acknowledgement of the existence of the secret space program? We're going to review the implications of that and the grand conspiracy behind it. And that's that's a delicate thing. Speaking of conspiracies, speaking of ethics, you know, I've had some confrontations with people in my personal life, people that are close to me, uh, over things like that, over my worldview. You know, and I always come back to Jordan Maxwell, man, and, and he said years ago in an interview, he said, if you're going to explore this type of information, you're going to end up alone. It's a lonely journey because most people don't want to look at the world this way. And in some cases, and certain stages of this journey, it sucks, man. And I realized that I've become somewhat of a Debbie Downer. Maybe I've always been a Debbie Downer. And I try to justify it, and I look at what has my life been over the, over the last, let's say, 20 years. You know, and, and when I was in the Army, my job was to identify what the enemy knows about us and what they're planning to do and how they can blow us up and kill us. So I was to walk into an area or a scene or a country and say, all right, what's the threat and how are they going to hurt us? As a police officer, every place you go, what's the threat? Where are their hands? How are they going to hurt me? Are they violent? Are they have any weapons? Constantly assessing that. Uh, and it just became second nature. Now, fast forward years later, after working in several violent high schools where I, I, I got and middle schools where I got attacked a lot, um, you just develop this sense of everywhere I go, that's what's wrong, that's what's wrong, that's unsafe, that's unsafe, that's unsafe, oh, we can't go here, it's unsafe. Uh, it's, let me tell you something, that's freaking exhausting. And for the longest time, I thought, well, this is good, I'm keeping people safe, I'm protecting people. 
But you know what the reality is, man? People don't want to hear that. They don't want to know how bad things could be. They want to think, hey, we're going to the beach today and we're going to have a good time. And I talked about this over the summer. They don't want to hear, hey, you know, there's sharks in that water and we might get bit today. Like, so it's something that I struggle with. And exploring this type of information doesn't necessarily help of my cause here in letting go of the it's really it's the fear and at the core of my research and experience what i've learned is that we have to control that fear because fear is what limits us fear is what binds us yes something bad and scary could happen at any point in time i could walk outside of my house a gust of wind could pick up and a tree branch could snap off and hit me in the head i say that because branches and trees fall regularly this time of year i just had a huge tree come down on my front yard the other uh, last week and i'm like man thank goodness my kids weren't out here so we could die, we could get hurt a thousand different ways. And then ethically what goes through my head is, well, do we have free will or not? And if we have free will, then shouldn't we be focused on this stuff to make sure that we're staying safe and protected? Or do we just throw caution in the wind and say, hey, there's elements that I can't control in this existence and I'm just going to do the best I can to navigate. And instead of thinking about the bad things that can happen, just react to any situation that's thrown my way. Well, then that feels vulnerable because it's like, well, what do I expect? But at the same time, you're not dealing with that anxiety. Anyway, I could go on and on about this. But I, I was speaking with a couple of people and a conversation got heated and it got emotional for me. And uh, we were talking not just about trust in the government um, and, and why I don't trust anything the government puts out because of the government's history. And I've got a big story that I'm going to share here that uh, the Washington Post broke about more massive government lies and cover-ups. But why am I going to trust a government agency with the make decisions about the health of my family when I see the history that government in general has of not putting my family first and their, you know the lies they tell? And that's really what it comes down to for me is I believe, this is a belief here, I believe we're capable of more. I believe we're entitled to more. And I believe that greedy people and beyond have taken that away from all of us to fill their own pockets they've repressed our they've repressed what's possible so that's very frustrating for me because i struggle financially life's a struggle sometimes a lot of times and uh it's hard not to get mad or get upset and and, and engage with people who are willingly playing the game and just saying, well, it's my government and I'm going to support it. And look, I'm not saying overthrow the government, but I'm saying change needs to come from within. You know, we, we can, that's why we have a democracy. Let's use it, right? Or so they say. So anyway, this conversation starts talking about, you know, government and trust and all that fun stuff. And then it moved into psychic, you know, what I think were psychic ethics. This person made a comment that really crushed me because it's somebody whose opinion I value. And I was talking about what I do, you know, my work with uh, the remote viewers. And I said, this is something that's important. I said, every month, you know, my, my team, they're looking at the future and they're drawing pictures of the future and they're writing it down and they're describing what's going to happen. I can't go back to normal life after that when they consistently do this every month. My life is forever changed. And I, I want to get into that. What does that mean? But 
And the person's response to me was, yeah, well, I don't think that's something we should be doing. Even if we can do it, I don't think that humans should explore that ability. It's not natural. And first, I just wanted to scream and shout and be like, that's your indoctrination talking. This is what was natural. But it really, it just, it crushed me. It I'm not going to lie, it absolutely crushed me. Because this is something that I think, this is... This is so important. At least I think we we have the ability to learn anything about anything. We have the ability to access records to learn about who we are, which can help our evolution, which can give us answers and insight into how to ending and mitigating suffering. Uh, there's just so much we can do with this. I don't even know where to begin. I, I don't even know. I'm just scratching the surface. And, and I remember... After I got my Reiki attunement, I say after, I don't mean the day after, but I mean in the months, the few months that followed, when I realized I can put my hands on somebody and number one, gather information psychically. Uh, number two, bring them healing, facilitate healing. I remember saying to myself, why am I going to work every day? Why do I go... You know, and, and I believed in the work I'm doing as a teacher. I really do. I feel like I was working with kids that needed me. But this is such an amazing thing to me. How can I dedicate every waking moment to learning about this and doing this? And unfortunately, because of my responsibilities as a as a to my family as a father, Reiki doesn't pay the bills. Podcasting doesn't pay the bills. Writing books doesn't pay the bills. So I'm forced to do that in my, quote, free time, spare time. But it, it, it can get crushing sometimes. It's really hard when you see it right there. In my opinion, I see the answers right there. You know, I put the answers in my book, uh, you know, with how we can improve our situation and not being able to dedicate what I know, believe, needs to be dedicated to it. Um, and then to hear certain people I respect not care, not care. I j it it blows my mind and it, it makes me sad. Um, I don't know if I'm sharing too much, but I feel like talking to you know all of you out there. It's kind of my therapy, and that's you know the security mindset in me is like, dude, don't share too much. Don't let the enemy know where you're at and what you know. You know what, man? F you. That's that's where I'm at right now. Maybe I'm falling into the agenda of putting our personal lives out publicly as everybody's moving to uh, social media and sharing everything and giving the surveillance state. And, and maybe it is. Maybe I've just been indoctrinated and I'm spilling everything. But at the same time, I feel that this is therapeutic for me. And I believe, I'm using these words a lot tonight, I believe that those of you listening who are on this journey... Uh, I hope that it that you can relate and that it brings you comfort in knowing that you're not alone in these hardships that we face. And wow, 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 woe is me, right? But, you know, side note, I, every so often I listen to Greg Braden and he covers the same threads that I talk about when it comes to the psychic stuff. And he's a well-researched guy. And when you when I listen to him, like that's that's one of my goals is to be able to present information like Greg Braden. Because he's so positive. He will mention that this information has been hidden. This information has been removed. But he shares it in a way that I listen to his voice. And I don't feel depressed. I feel like, 
wow. And, and, and I owe it to Greg Braden. I would love to talk to him one day. I owe it to him. When I was at my lowest point, I came across one of his lectures. And I, I think I've shared this with all of you. And he connected me to a source of data that completely shifted my worldview. It uplifted me. It changed me. And it brought me hope. And that's the power of this information. I don't think I'm as good at that as, as Greg Braden is. I can present it, but I think I still have somewhat of a scary undertones behind me. And I need, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, guys. I really am. But so at the end of the day, I, I, I believe that. I believe that there's hope and there's so much good. But I, I get caught up. I do. I get caught up in the scary stuff, and the fear-based stuff. And I try not to when I say I'm empowered. But when it comes to making decisions... Um, the fear stuff runs through my mind. That's a that's a weakness of mine. I'm working on it. But I want to talk about the ethics of using psychic information. Um, let me share with a, a positive. I think it's a positive. I did last month with crypto viewing. I didn't share it publicly, but I did a, we do world events every month, as I was saying, and I did my first shot at it, and it was hard. It's really hard to sit there and just, um, you know, predict what's going to happen in the future. What's coming next month is, is what I was looking at. So I felt like I was way, way off. Uh, I've got my papers right here. Um, but right off the bat, one of the things I drew, I drew a series of arches. And I wrote bridging, archway, fire, uh, runway, structure, massive damage, black smoke. Uh, and then later in the session, and, and I want to give a caveat. There is a ton of, well, I think possibly other news stories in there, but there's also a ton of noise. I'm, I'm cherry picking good data um, here. And I can do that because I specifically named a location that came true. Uh, towards the end of my session, I drew the Sydney Opera House. I went back to that arching shape and I wrote Sydney with a question mark. And I wrote crackling sounds, fire, evacuation. And uh, I was scrolling through the news feed yesterday and Australia is on fire, man. They've been having these massive fires and there front and center is a picture of the Opera House with smoke around it. Like I freaking nailed it, man. And again, there's noise there, but as a rookie, like this is so cool. Um, not cool what's happening, but it's it's pretty cool to, uh, to, to do that. And again, I know it, I, this is why I want you to read Food for the Archons. I'm not just giving a plug, man. I, I'm really not. Like I wrote this book because I want you to know that you can do this. Everybody can. That was the, the not the whole point, but that became a driving thread in that book is that we have this ability. And I go and I create. I, I don't create. I share the foundation and the reason why. And I don't think you can walk away from that book especially if you're new to this stuff, I think it will make it your journey easier in understanding that in understanding that we all have this ability and understanding where it comes from and how it works loosely. Um, a lot of times our beliefs that we don't even know we have are what limit us. And my book, I think, helps to not shatter your current beliefs, but to help open your mind up to why this is possible and having that new foundation 
a lot of times our beliefs will limit what we can see or what we can do. And and, and talking to Edward, uh, Edward Reardon, you know, he he's like, look, I can I don't let beliefs limit me. I, I don't let the fear stop me. And that's why he's so good at what he does. And I believe my book helps guide us and, and break down some of those uh, limiting belief structures that we have in, in mind. So uh, I, I made this prediction and I, I watched it come true. And it's it's such a cool feeling, but it's a scary thing. And, and I want to go back to what that person said to me. Is I don't believe that we should be doing this and looking into this. Are they right? I mean, you know, I was listening to Greg Braden reiterate, uh, you know, something that I'm already familiar with. He said in the year 350, it was Constantine who edited the Bible. And they took out, I think it was something like 40 books. And Greg goes in and lists some of the books that were taken out. But these books were about uh, our true power. It was all the psychic stuff. I look at the Gnostic text and what the Gnostics say is that the archons, kicked man out of the garden and threw them in a life of chaos so they would not be preoccupied with matters of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm not trying to use religion. I'm not getting religious. I'm using religious terms because it came from religious text. But um, So I, I believe, and I'm going to say belief now, I believe that there was a intentional effort to repress our natural psychic abilities and hide it from us so today when somebody tells me we shouldn't do this when i know this is a part of who i am and this is something that's happened to me naturally my whole life and now with intention and focus that ability has gotten more pronounced and i've been able to use some of that ability to help people it really hurts it really hurts when somebody says, I don't think we should be doing that. Um, I, and it hurts me not just personally, but in want to shake them and say, do you understand what you're giving up when you say that? Do you understand the submission that you are giving to a an oppressive force? Do you realize the weight and the ignorance of what you just said? That's what I want to say, but I didn't because I just, I, I know I'm not going to create a, a quote believer and I'm not trying to do that because at the same time, I don't think it's fair. Now let's, let me get away from that emotional piece there and let me, let's talk about the ethics. Should we, as remote viewers, should we look at the future and then report that to you? And should you choose to look at that? We don't really even know what this reality is. Now, in, in my book, I go into great detail in, in explaining that I think we're in a matrix reality, one of a multitude of universes. I think we are a copy of a copy of a copy that don't think that makes us any less real. I really don't. Even if you're a copy, you are still sovereign. And you still exist. And that was hard, a hard conclusion for me to come to. But I'm say, saying that I exist. I'm real. And I have value. And so does all life. Even if a copy was made of me. That copy in that other universe, which I believe exists, is a part of me. There's a connection to me. And on some levels, though, 
it's separate from me. I think on the higher levels, it's we're all this, it's all the same. But on some levels, from my current vantage point, it's also separate and sovereign. Okay, why am I getting into that? Because when we're dealing with, we're tapping into the ether of this reality, of this multitude of realities. And we have to ask ourselves, by looking at the future, do we change it? Can we change it? What impact does that have on the timeline that was supposed to be? Or was that timeline supposed to be? Was I supposed to look at the future and change it? Did that timeline never exist? Because it was already written that I were programmed, looking at computer programming, looking at was it already programmed that I was going to get information about the future that was then going to spin this timeline in a particular direction? I don't have that answer. I struggle with that answer, but let's explore the one possible thread. If it was programmed and that's what I was supposed to do, then that was what I was meant to do. Okay, fine, so be it. Then ethically, I'm not doing anything wrong. But then you got to look at it. Well, do I have free will? The answer would be no, if we're following a program. I spoke with somebody yesterday who, who was um, reviewing my astrological chart, and she described me to the letter. And it, And it's like, well... We are running on a program. And I, I believe that program has something to do with the date and time that we're born and the alignment of various celestial bodies around us, which is an indicator of the particular energies that are being programmed into our DNA. Does that mean we don't have the power or capability to override that free will? Well, I believe, maybe I hope that we do. We have a choice. Is that choice an illusion? Is it already predetermined what we're going to do? Again, I like to believe that no, I do have a choice, but I'm predisposed to act a certain way, to feel a certain way, and to do certain things. There's certain drives in me that are just, I can't help it. This quest I'm on has been my since I was born. I don't know that this was a choice. Maybe pre-birth it was a choice. I don't know. So you have the free will issue that comes into play. And then we step back and look at, okay, well, what if it's not about fate? And what if we can make a choice to look at the future? And then what if we have the ability to look at the future and then make a decision that will alter that future? Well, if we're looking at the future, does the future already exist? If the future exists, can we change it with knowledge of it? And again, we're coming back into the free will thing. Uh, come back into the, are we in a simulation on some kind of just already written movie and we can happen to glance ahead and see what's happening. If the future already exists and then we have the ability to change that future, are we unknowingly messing with somebody else's life, somebody else's timeline? Now, that may seem like a simple thing, but there's a movie uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it, it's it's a, a British movie, and it's about time travel. Not in the sense you'd think. It's got a, a the guy that plays, I want to say, one of the big vampires in the Underworld movie, one of the head vampires. He's, he's a great actor. Uh, in this movie, he tells his grandson, or his son, it's his son, I have the ability to go into the past. It's real simple. I go into a dark space, I close my eyes, and I make two fists. And I think about the time I want to go back to. 
So this kid goes in and he does it and he realizes all the men in his family have that ability. And he starts going back and changing the past. And it starts out simple. I want to kiss this girl. So he goes back and, until he says the right things and eventually kisses her. And again, ethically, is that fair? Um, but what, what really struck me is there's a scene where his sister is uh, on drugs and she ends up getting killed. And he goes back in time and changes her life. And it's beautiful. Now, at the time that his sister died, he had like a three-month-old baby, a little girl. And he goes back in time and puts all this work in, changes his sister's life, and she made it. And he finally is like, I did it. So he goes home and he finds his wife and his baby eating breakfast. And he realizes he no longer has a baby girl. He now has a baby boy. And he's crushed. And if you're not a parent, I don't know that you can relate to this. But I look at my children. I love my children exactly who they are. And if I could change the past, but knew that that might, the way the, the father explained it to him was the reason why you can't change the past before your kids were born. Because if you change even one tiny microsecond, it will affect the sperm that gets to the egg. And there's millions and millions and millions of sperm. Uh, so that's such a gamble. So he had to go back and change it and allow his sister to get, uh, I don't know if she was killed or injured in a car accident, but he had allowed that to happen to his sister because he couldn't bear the fact of losing his other child who he had fallen in love with as a parent. That's what you do. But at the same time, when he went back in time and changed it, he erased the existence of that other baby. Or, I know it's dizzying, right? You look at the, the talks of Philip K. Dick. And his theory is, and I go into great detail in the book about this, his theory is anytime something has changed, somebody who experiences deja vu and a new timeline spins off. So now you have the other timeline that continues, but you now also have this other timeline that's going on. And that's how we get multiple realities. Does that make it okay to change that? To create that other world. And I, I know these are things we need to explore. Because at the end of the day, I believe that this ability has been repressed in us. Which means now we have this power, but we don't understand the implications of it. We don't fully know how to use it or what it means or the impact that it has on the greater universe. But let's just say for a minute, what if we really are like the gods, as is stated in religious texts? And we've forgotten how to use that power, and that power is the power of creation. I can create my own universe, my own alternate reality. That's not something to be taken lightly. Does that mean that we shouldn't do it, though? I don't think so. I don't think it means that. Now, if it's not alternate realities, and we're just messing with this reality, then by me looking into the future that possibly already exists and changing it here in the past, and preventing that incident from happening, well, maybe I'm now changing that timeline where a kid was already born, and I'm taking them out of existence. That's not fair to those parents. But they'll never know. Maybe they won't. But they exist. 
It's a dizzying logic. Uh, and I could go on forever talking about it. But at the end of the day, I believe that, that understanding, I can't walk away from this. I can't look away from it. I think this is too important. I think that I think that this is one of the most important things in our existence. And we've forgotten about it. And we've been lied to about it. So when that person, those people that are close to me tell me, I don't think we should do that. I can't, I can't have this conversation with them because they don't have the foundation to even begin to have this conversation and they have zero interest in acquiring that foundation and the ripple effect it has. It's not, it's not, that's why in the matrix Morpheus says no one can be told what the matrix is. They have to be shown. I wasn't told what the matrix was. I was shown through a a series of experiences and gifts of knowledge and information and perspectives. It was a journey. It was not something that I just fell into one day. It take it took time. It's been a lifetime getting to this point. So I can't say to one person, Bleh, I just want to unload all this on you. I can't because they don't have the experience and the knowledge. And that doesn't mean they're stupid it doesn't mean they're idiots, although I, I want to say that sometimes. I really don't believe that. It's the equivalent of somebody who has a, a multiple doctorates in astrophysics and looks at me when I say, hey, let me talk to you about asteroids. Who the heck am I to really speak about anything uh, when it comes to that other than what I have been told or read? They know. And I may say, say something on this show that I think sounds highly intelligent, but I guarantee if I was to go have a discussion with some astrophysicist, they're going to be like, dude, you're in kindergarten. And in order for me to explain the concept you're trying to talk about, I'd have to give you a, a 10 years of education to get there. And I don't, I don't have the time to go through that journey right now because my focus is here. So when I'm speaking to people who say, I don't care about what you're doing, Dennis, I don't care about it, and it makes me uncomfortable, and I don't think we should mess with it, I understand that too. See, this is the empath in me. This is the Libra in me trying to explain away and rationalize it. But it, I, I believe it. I get it. How do I deal with that, though? How do I continue on and engage with people that matter to me? The reality is i got to shut it down. I'm not doing that, but that's, you know, that's the answer I come to so often because I, I don't want to, I don't believe in quote, waking people up and enlightening them. And I, I'm saying that all in quotations. I don't, I don't think that's a, a fair term. Um, so I don't know what to do. Are you, do you experience this? How do you handle it? How do you feel about it? You know, and I've thought about it over the years. Maybe I should stop doing the show and, and just focus on everyday life. And I can't. This is important. I remember, I remember years ago when I was going through PTSD, I gave up my dreams of, of working in law enforcement uh, and intelligence. And I, I, I remember just that one day coming home and saying, well, this is my life now. Uh, I'm in an, a relationship where I'm not happy. I'm pretty broke, but it's okay because that's everybody's like that. And I'm just going to no longer be this person that wants to take on the world and change the world. I'm going to just 
go to work every day, and I can look forward to getting drunk on the weekends because I have, I don't really have fun doing that. But I remember, I remember having that thought and and being okay with it. And that was such a low feeling, man. I had just assimilated and knew it, and I lost my spark and my fire. And I won't, I won't give that up ever again. I will not give that spark up, and that spark has led me here. Man, I could just hear the YouTube comments. Now, I, I'm working on putting my, get my YouTube channel up, and I have, I've noticed some of the podcasts where I just go on like this. I get the occasional troll. If I get any comments, I get the occasional troll. Was like, man, shut up already. I can't. But. I have to believe that uh, those of you that come back consistently can relate. So I, I hope you find this. My, see, here's my insecurities. I should call this like, uh, you know, on the couch with Dennis. That's what I changed the show to. Psychic uh, counseling. <laughs> Psychic therapy. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I can hear the, the haters coming on there. I'm like, man, shut up already. There's that thing I talked about, just seeing the threat. That's all I focus on is the bad stuff. Anyway. All right, guys. I'm whining now, and I don't want to do that. So let me move on. But if you have some positive feedback on this one, my little bruised ego could really use it. So <laughs> send me something, please. Okay, moving on. I want to talk about... Uh, I, want, I got some news stories, and I'm going to end with uh, a couple stories about UFO disclosure. Um, I'm going to go through some of these news stories pretty quickly. But this is this is huge. Huge. I haven't heard much attention to it because everybody's focused on the impeachment with Trump, which really probably isn't going to go anywhere. Um, but this article came out December 9th, 2019 from the Washington Post. And it's called At War With The Truth. U.S. officials constantly said they were making progress. They were not, and they knew it. An exclusive post-investigation found. What this is saying is it's called the Afghan Papers, A Secret History of the War. Now, the Afghanistan Papers, because this is coming from the Washington Post, they called it the Afghanistan Papers. That's important. That's a nod to the past to, I don't remember, Ellsberg or Ellsworth, I can't remember his name. He was a Washington Post reporter who wrote what's called the Pentagon Papers. And I covered this about two years ago, which was exposing the lies that led us to the Vietnam War, where 50,000 U.S. soldiers were killed. That was based on lies. And I'm struck back to uh, the Green Zone with Matt Damon. Uh, hang on. Okay, I want to play a, a, a quick clip from uh, the movie Green Zone. Uh, and it's about Matt Damon confronting the, the head civilian in charge over there, some government official, uh, about the lies they told to get us into Iraq over WMD. And it speaks to this. Uh, and it's emotional and it's powerful. So uh, I'm going to play this real quick. This is Matt Damon in the Green Zone. You made him up to get what you needed. Magellan, you made him up. I don't know what you're talking about, Miller. When you peddled that shit in D.C., did they know it was a lie or they just never bothered to ask? Okay. Okay. Come on, none of this matters anymore. WMD, this doesn't matter. What are you talking about? Of course it's fucking matters. The reasons we go to war always matter. That's all that fucking matters. Fucking matters. Hey, soldier. Do you have any idea what you've done here? What's gonna happen next time we need people to trust us? Clark! We're not turning back, Miller. We won. Clark! Son of a bitch. What? All right, there you have it. That, that captures, at least for me, that was such a powerful movie. I don't think it got the attention that it deserved. What a surprise!
People don't want to look at this. People don't want to think about this. The implications of this. Tell this to a soldier that served multiple tours there, that lost people there. Now, maybe this is some kind of political fake news lie. I think, uh, no, I, I don't I don't buy that right. Right now, based on my preliminary glance at this, just given the history that we have, it's the same story every conflict that we get into. We're lied to. The truth is not told. And I, maybe I'm making this personal, but stop giving me shit when I say I don't trust it. I'm tired of it. It's right here in black and white. Have you read it? Not talking at you to the listeners. It's just frustrating. Let me read a little bit of this. Confidential trove of government documents obtained by the Washington Post reveals that senior U.S. officials failed to tell the truth about the war in Afghanistan throughout the 18-year campaign, making rosy pronouncements they knew to be false and hiding unmistakable evidence the war had become unwinnable. The documents were generated by a federal project examining the root failures of the longest armed conflict in U.S. history. They include more than 2,000 pages of previously unpublished notes of interviews with people who played a direct role in the war, from generals and diplomats to aid workers and Afghan officials. U.S. government tried to shield the identities of the vast majority of those interviewed for the project and conceal nearly all of their remarks. The Post won release of the documents under the Freedom of Information Act after a three-year legal battle. In the interviews, more than 400 insiders offered unrestrained criticism of what went wrong in Afghanistan and how the United States became mired in nearly two decades of warfare. With a bluntness rarely, rarely expressed in public, the interviews lay bare pent-up complaints, frustrations, and confessions along with second-guessing and backbiting. Now, here's the thing. You always have 20-20 hindsight. I get that. I get it's easy to look back and criticize. But these are the people that were running it, that are having criticism over it for 18 years. I could see if you have a small, short-term conflict and look back, but yep, we screwed up. 18 years of disrupting people's lives, of ending people's lives, of killing people. Why war is a business? And, and the thing that we're forgetting, as American people, and it's a, it's a delicate balance, but we should have transparency in government, but we don't. Because as Americans, we expect, well, I just want the government to run until Donald Trump gets elected and you hate him. So now it's like, well, we got to get him out of office. What happens when you get him out of office? Are you going to be this political anymore? Well, we're going to fight for gay rights and we're going to fight for abortion and all the stuff that politicians are telling you to fight over when there's a bigger picture here. It's because we've given our power away. It's because we've stopped caring when it's quiet that this has allowed to happen, that there is so much secrecy that the public can't know. Why can't the public know? Because then the people in power would be told to get the hell out. It's not about what's best for us. It's not about what's best for our military or the world. Go watch Iraq for sale. Yes, it's a slanted video, but the facts are still the facts there. Go watch that documentary and watch the profiteering that goes on from war. 
read this. I'll have the links in the show notes. I'm going to get too fired up if I keep going on this. The links are in the show notes. It's from the Washington Post. It's called the Afghan Papers. Uh, this is just part one at War with Truth. I encourage you to go look at this and make your own decision. And then go back and read the Pentagon Papers. And, and I haven't seen the video, the movie that recently came out yet about it, but uh, I, I need to watch that, and I encourage you to do that as well. Do your homework. See, these are the things that I want to show people who tell me this stuff doesn't matter. And and I I, I share this with, with fear in my heart. Not that the people I'm thinking about listen to my show, but I have friends that have served. I have friends that were in Afghanistan and uh, that are still actively serving. And I, I, I think about this and I wonder, what will their reaction be to me criticizing this? Are they going to be insulted? And I worry about that. But in my mind, I'm, st- I'm standing up for them. But it scares me that they'd look at me and be like, oh, you're some conspiracy nut. Maybe just, just, just draw a freaking line in the sand, Dennis. Maybe that's what I need to do. And let the pieces fall where they may. But isn't that how wars are started? By just taking a hardline stance. I don't care how you feel about this. This is my belief, and I'm going to take that stand whether it upsets you or not well i don't want to do that and do i get hurt because of that yes but i'd rather present things in a way although i get heated sometimes but i'd rather present things in a way that leave things open to dialogue but i find that bites me in the ass a lot but i really don't think drawing a line in the sand and being creating a division i'd rather create allies than enemies All right, moving on. Speaking of enemies, Business Insider reports over 267 million Facebook users had their names, phone numbers, and profiles exposed thanks to a public database, research says. This is December 19th, 2019 from Kevin Webb. I'm just going to read the highlights here. You can all have the link in the show notes. An online database exposed the names, Facebook IDs, and phone numbers of more than 267 million people said Bob Dechenko, a data security researcher at Comparatech, a tech website. They said the database was available online without a password, exposing the sensitive personal data to anyone who accessed it. Dechenko traced the database back to Vietnam, but could not identify exactly how the data had been accessed or what it was being used for. He said most people affected are from the United States. What a surprise. Dechenko and Comparatech speculated that the data could be used to spam messaging and phishing campaigns, and they said contact contacted the internet service provider that was hosting the database. The database is no longer available, but the data was reportedly posted to an online forum before the source was removed. Okay, there's plenty more there. Um, read the whole article. But we're compromised, and if a nefarious entity exists, which, oh, come on, let's be honest here, many of them exist, they could use this information to exploit us, and I got in this argument the other night too, to exploit us in multiple ways, in ways that we're not even perceiving or catching. It's just leaving us vulnerable. So it's 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 scary. So I, I say again, we need to use caution with what we're putting out there, as I just went and dumped some of my most personal held beliefs to all of you out there i know i'm a hypocrite i I am i don't know what to do i don't know how to find the balance right all right speaking of government control here's the opposite buzzfeed news reports here's the the title to prevent protests against an anti-muslim law 
India's government turned off the internet in its capital city. Controversial law has drawn thousands to the streets and a harsh response from the Modi government. Again, December 19th, 2019, this was posted. Millions of mobile phones in New Delhi, India's capital, went dead on Thursday after the city's police department ordered the country's largest carriers to stop voice, text, and internet services in the wake of masses protests against a controversial new citizenship law that discriminates against Muslims. Truth seekers, ladies and gentlemen, my friends, listen, I, I, I understand this capability exists. It's being done in other countries around the world. China has their internet on lockdown with their social credit system. With the right crisis, this can happen in the U.S. We don't have the freedoms we believe we have. What we're, what's going on now in the U.S. is the extreme filtering and misdirection of information. So it's the perception that we have access to anything we want to know. But the reality is we know things are being filtered and not that we should get, that we're looking for, that we're entitled to see. People in charge are keeping it away from us. But this is a just total downright shutdown of that. What's that do? It suspends communication. So if something happens that's egregious that you disagree with, your ability to communicate with other like-minded people, understand you cannot rely on the internet and your phone. Now, where are we moving in the future? The, the big companies who are going to become our governing bodies are looking to connect your mind to the cloud if they have the power to shut the internet down what impact will that have on your mind when the government decides to shut something down or to erase something from history again i know that sounds crazy but when i say things like that it's well documented that that is the intent that that is where we are going. All right. Still don't believe me? From the Washington Post again. Federal study confirms racial bias of many facial recognition systems casts doubt on their expanding use. Another way to further the divide and oppress people. Look, uh, again, read this. It's talking about Asian and African-American people were up to 100 times more likely to be misidentified than white men, depending on the particular algorithm and type of search. Native Americans had the highest false positive rate of all ethnicities, according to the study. What a surprise. Which found that the system varied widely in their accuracy. Okay, a, a lot of reasons for that. Again, I could do a whole show talking about that. But again, it depends on who's in control. I covered a story years ago talking about algorithms looking at things like facial recognition and facial expression that were going to be used to determine your political affiliation. This technology has the power to ruin people's lives and we're, we're trusting it more and more. It's great when it works, but what if A, someone with ill intent is behind the programming? Or what if B, the programming is just off or there's a glitch in the system? Or the computer becomes self-aware and starts making its own targeting? Something to worry about. And, 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 and what am I doing? I'm just, I'm peddling the fear stuff. And I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sharing this because I think we need to share it and we need to come up with solutions. And what solutions do I have? For the facial recognition, I don't really have solutions yet unless you can walk around with some kind of tech that's going to counteract that. 
But what happens when you go through the airport and you have like a hat on with an LED light that's obscuring your face so you're not being scanned by the cameras. And then you go to the airport who says, well, we scan all people coming in and out of the country because we're controlling or we're monitoring all movements of everybody within the globe. How do you deal with that? You, you want to get on the plane? You want to travel? You want to engage? You got to submit. That's the challenge that we're looking at right now. We need to connect to this system in order to engage with this system. And disconnecting from this system, I believe, will be very, very difficult to operate and function and live comfortably. How do we find the balance? Well, speaking of which, here's one. I think it's an easy fix. You're not paranoid. Your phone really is listening in. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to read from the article a little bit. The scene plays out like a thriller. You pull out your phone and you see an ad for AirPods. Wait a minute, you think. Didn't I just have a conversation about AirPods with my friend? Like a real conversation spoken aloud? Is my phone listening to me? And the article says, well, yes, it probably is. When you use your default settings, everything you say may be recorded through your device's onboard microphone. Our phones routinely collect our voice data, store it in a distant server, and use it for marketing purposes. This fact was kept quiet for some time, but is the kind of targeted ad is gradually becoming common knowledge. Okay, uh, there's a link here you can tap or click to see what Amazon does with the voice data it harvests and how you can stop Alexa from listening. So I'm going to share this. Uh, it talks about these, what they call whisper marketing campaigns. The phones are listening to you, but it gives you some solutions, which I think is great. You it, turning off, very, basically turn off the microphones for your apps. Now Snowden goes into detail in, in one of his earlier interviews, how to take apart your phone and how to take the microphone completely out. And then you just got to use a plug and play with your phone. Um, these are ways we can engage until it becomes illegal, until we ways we can find to safely and keep things private. Um, and that's a real a real solution right there. And that's important, uh, important to know. So I'll have this shared in the uh, secret newsletter and in the uh, show notes at sixcentsmedia.net. Okay, it is time for the much awaited. <laughs> much-awaited ufo discussion ah oh, it sounds so corny i i just had the random idea to do a stupid drum roll uh i'm gonna keep that stupid drum roll in there um just, i don't know it was funny and it's good to break up the monotony of all this heavy stuff laughter makes such a difference in this world and sometimes you gotta be able to laugh at dumb stuff so uh the drum roll stays as corny as i know it sounded but that was fun okay let's get into uh the ufo stuff it's important stuff the uh pilot one of the pilots that was involved in the, the Tic Tac sighting, the Nimitz, uh, he goes by the name of Chad Underwood. He broke his silence and he did an interview. Uh, the Independent reports in the beginning of it, quote, it did not obey the laws of physics. Pilot who spotted the famous Tic Tac UFO breaks silence after 15 years. Another quote, it was going from like 50,000 feet to 100 feet in like seconds, which is not possible. A U.S. fighter pilot whose plane filmed the famous and still unexplained Tic Tac UFO footage has spoken for the first time about his close encounter. Chad Underwood broke 15 years of silence on the subject, describing the object he recorded over the Pacific Ocean as not behaving within the normal laws of physics. He said it was going from 50,000 feet to 100 feet in seconds, which is not possible. The Tic Tac, so-called because of its rounded shape and white color, was caught on video as the U.S. Navy attempted to identify a series of objects spotted on radar flying off America's west coast in November 2004. The authenticity of the film, which was first made public in 2017, was finally confirmed by the Pentagon earlier this year. 
Officials said they still had no idea what the rec recorded object was. Weather phenomenon, man-made craft, and birds have all been ruled out. Speaking to the New York Magazine, Mr. Underwood said, The thing that stood out to me the most was how erratic it was behaving. And what I mean by erratic is that its changes in altitude, airspeed, and aspect were just unlike things I've encountered before flying against other air targets. Now keep in mind, this individual is an expert. He's a pilot with the United States military. He's well-trained. He's trained to identify the aircraft of not just our own, but of the enemy. He has to know our allies' aircraft. Why? Well, in battle, or if somebody shows up in his airspace, he needs to say friendly or foe or ally. So he knows all of the aircraft that are out there, even the, some of the classified ones, uh, probably all the classified ones, because if he sees them in the air, he needs to know shoot or don't shoot. When he's saying, I don't know what this craft is, and it performs like something I've never seen before, and it's published in a variety of places that we've seen it published, we need to take him seriously. So he's got an interview that's run through the Independent here. I'll share the links for it. Um, and, and I'm going to read a little bit more of it. it. It was just behaving in ways that aren't physically normal. That's what caught my eye, because aircraft, whether they're manned or unmanned, still have to obey the laws of phys physics. They have to have some source of lift, some sort of propulsion. The Tic Tac was not doing that. And he added... You're up there flying like, okay, it's not behaving in a manner that's predictable or is normal by how flying objects physically move. So, and then it goes on to give some background audit. Um, talks a little bit about what Dave Fravor had said when he's the one that originally came out uh, talking about it. I want you to read the rest of this article. Here's the thing. There's something up there that is not known to the public. Is it alien is it inner earth? Is it a breakaway civilization? Is it secret government? We don't know yet. But again, to the naysayers, to the people that don't care about this, I had a conversation with somebody online, a brief conversation. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I'll use that as my intro to the next article. I had a brief conversation about this technology. And he said, you know, it's interesting. We've been stuck on the combustion engine for how many years? Almost 100, or 100 years right now. The same technology has been powering our vehicles. It hasn't evolved. It's gotten a little bit better, a little bit more efficient, but it hasn't changed. It hasn't gotten better. Nothing new has come out. While electric cars are out and Tesla's making an impact, and finally we're moving in that direction because it supports the push of the climate change agenda, which I'm gonna get into in a minute. But is it possible that these craft are ours and we have that technology well let's explore that conspiracy thread for a minute let's say that we, this these are us that human civilization maybe even a breakaway maybe a secret government has these aircraft but they're not released to the public why because it's a completely different type of propulsion system it would eliminate our need for oil and fossil fuels well what impact would that have on society well the petrodollar would completely crash since the dollar is linked to oil the economy would fail. Money would fall apart. The auto industry would be decimated. The way we heat our homes, all of that would change. Yeah, that would probably happen in the short term. But then what exists? Look at the, that would confirm a lot more of what Stephen Greer talks about. Free energy for all. The ability to power my home 
heat my home and do a bunch of power my vehicles without having to pay money. Well, that limits the amount of time I have to work. It means gives me more time to take away from the confusion that's thrown at me in life so I can focus on things like matters of the Holy Spirit, if you go back to the beginning of the show. It's world-changing. What it does is it dismantles the power structure and part of the control they have over us. Now you look at it from the other side. We're being told climate change is our fault because we drive cars that put out carbon dioxide, even though what the ice core studies tell us is that climate change is part of a natural cycle and at the end of the warming period is when we see increases in carbon. And that then leads into a cooling period. Let me say that again. Climate change is part of a natural cycle on this planet. We've had a natural ebb and flow for thousands and thousands of years. For, for, I'm sorry, since Earth's inception, as far as we can speculate now. At the end of the natural warming period, we then see an increase in carbon or CO2, and then we go into a cooling period. Now, we are, we are putting out far more CO2 than has ever been recorded. We are guilty of that. We are polluting the earth. We are contributing to the mass extinction. We do need to change our habits. But climate change is happening whether we are impacting it or not. We are not causing warming. I drove to work the other day. I never saw so many chemtrails in the sky. Now, Edward Snowden says he did a thorough search and didn't see any chemtrails in the sky. And maybe he had to say that, and I get that. Sorry, he didn't see any, he didn't see any government documents about chemtrails or UFOs. I don't think he was telling the truth there. Moving beyond that. Something is happening. And we're being told that we are responsible for climate change. And therefore, since we're to blame, that the blame is then being, the responsibility is then being put on us. Are we going to see carbon tax? Are we going to see vehicle driving restrictions? I don't know where this is going. But we're being held accountable when in reality, it seems like maybe there's people on this planet that have knowledge of a technology that would revolutionize that and instantly solve all of our problems with CO2 emissions. Now, there will be secondary and tertiary problems that come from that, and we talked about that, the economy crashing and, and uh, jobs going away, but from the ashes we can rebuild and we can rebuild stronger. There is real hope there. But sometimes I think that's where it gets dangerous when you start talking about that stuff. But that's a possibility. But now we have to ask ourselves, well, if they want to keep this a secret, why is this now coming out? Why is this information now coming out if we don't want this fragile society that's built on the petrodollar to collapse? Well, we see two agendas that I cover. AI, we see the direction of AI, how that's starting to power things. I just covered a target the other day. It said... Uh, Run by humans, powered by Earth. Run by humans, powered by AI. That was interesting. That's where the world is going. Technology. The other piece of that. Cryptocurrency. Digital assets. What a, what a connection there. What a, as the petrodollar crashes, the rebuilding piece is the cryptocurrency. So maybe we are going to get this UFO technology that's being gradually released to us. Because to the stars, that's what they're doing. Hal Putoff heading up one of those teams. Hal Putoff, one of the fathers of remote viewing. Connected to Lou Elizondo with the Pentagon. Connected to Tom DeLong, the front man from Blink-182, who's kind of the, the PR rep for this whole thing. 
we've got the gradual disclosure of UFO technology that's going to be re it's going to be introduced to the public. I'll say reintroduced to the public, but it's something that we already have. Dennis, you sound crazy. You're just piecing things together that don't really exist. Okay, Mr. Naysayer, this comes from thedrive.com. Recently retired U.S. Air Force General makes eyebrow-raising claims about advanced space technology. Retired Lieutenant General Steve Stephen L. Quast says fantastic technology exists that could transport a human anywhere on Earth within an hour. December 11th, 2019 by Brett Tingley. Recently retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant General Stephen L. Quasp gave a lecture last month that seems to further signal that the next major battlefield will be outer space. Okay. A retired general. This is somebody with some amazing credibility and experience. While military leadership rattling the space sabers is nothing new, Quast's lecture included comments that heavily hint at the possibility that the United States military and its industry partners may have already developed next-generation technologies that have the potential to drastically change the aerospace field and human civilization forever. Oh my gosh, Dennis, isn't that what you just said? I'm a freaking genius. No, I'm not a genius. I'm being sarcastic, friends. Is this more posturing or could we actually be on the verge of making science fiction a reality? According to his official U.S. Air Force biography, Lieutenant General Quast graduated from the United States Air Force Academy with a degree in astronautical, engin astronautical engineering and also holds a master's degree in public policy from Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. Quast previously served as commander of the 47th Operations Group at Laughlin Air Force Base at the 4th Fighter Wing at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. Quast boasts more than 3,300 flight hours in the F-15E, the T-6, T-37, and T-38, and over 650 combat hours. Uh, this goes through more of his bio, but it says here he was most recently served as commander of the Air Education and Training Command at Joint Base San Antonio, but retired in August. According to some reports, Quast was prematurely relieved of his duties uh, and blacklisted for promotion after speaking out on space-related issues despite a service-wide gag order. Quast declined to comment on the reports and retired on September 1st, 2019. Despite the controversy surrounding his removal from his post, some defense analysts and Lieutenant General Quast's own supporters within the armed forces were suggesting prior to his retirement that he should be appointed as the commander of the Pentagon's budding Space Force. Quast has published several op-eds in recent years, pushing for the U.S. military to take on greater role in space in order to ensure American economic dominance and what he sees as the continued proliferation of American values. There you have it, my friends. Okay? I think... I'm just coming to these conclusions now as I'm doing this show. I kid you not. Uh, with the economical connection. There we have it right there again. Petrodollar is going away. Crypto dollar is going to replace that. Cryptocurrency is going to replace that. UFO technology is going to come in, and that's going to help support the infrastructure. That's also going to see the advancement in artificial intelligence and computing technology, which is going to support the blockchain, which is going to connect everybody and conclude the surveillance state that's going to gather data on every single person on the planet and going to keep everybody connected. And the Space Force technology is going to be a big part of that. It's going to propel us forward into the future. We're going to see a crash, then we're going to see a rebuilding. Boom. I feel like one of those guys that talks really fast. Um, I did that on purpose. All right. But looking at the pieces, that looks like where, where things are going. Um, and again, 
I'm coming back to the theme that I started with at the beginning, and this isn't psychic ethics, but this is just ethics in, in seeing the world from this perspective, in looking at credible sources. We can't even have that conversation with people. The simple fact of saying, hey, our government's been lying to us, and they have a secret space program with advanced possible alien technology, and they've kept it from you, and now you've, you're broke because you have to work so many hours at a job that's based on so many foundational lies. That impacts our day-to-day. It does. But so many people don't want to hear that. And that's not the story that's going to be told when this rolls out. So at the end of the day, I think it behooves us to get with the program and understand this and position yourselves in, in a way that you can benefit from it. That sounds selfish, but I don't think we're going to take down the system. I think we need to roll with it. I really do. Okay. Now, if you're still listening to that, I see, I always picture like my critics listening to this. If you're still listening to that and saying, Dennis, you're crazy. That's not happening. I want to do this. I want to do my drum roll again. I'm not going to bore you with that stupid thing, but I want to do the drum roll. And here's from military.com. It's official. President Trump has signed Space Force into existence. Thank you. Mic drop. Walking away. Here it comes. Been calling for it for years. We're seeing it all unfold in front of us. Here it is. Roughly 16,000 active duty and civilian personnel that make up the Air Force Space Command are now assigned to the U.S. Space Force following President Donald Trump's signing of the Fiscal 2020 National Defense Authorization Act on Friday evening. During the signing ceremony, Trump appointed General Jay Raymond as the first chief of space operations. Raymond, who also leads U.S. Space Command, will report to the Secretary of the Air Force and sit as a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. This should be its own show. It really should. Um, Throughout the next 18 months, the U.S. Air Force will further identify the appropriate personnel to transfer branches and become U.S. Space Force service members. All airmen currently assigned to Air Force Space Command will now be assigned to U.S. Space Force. The service outlined in a document Friday ahead of the NDAA enactment. Within 60 days, uh, the Air Force will reach out to uniformed airmen and to inform them whether their specialty code is organic to the Space Force, organic to the Air Force, or shared between Air Force and Space Force. So this is all the technical stuff behind it. But it's, it's happening. A Space Force is now being publicly created. Will they join forces with the command that's already out there? I don't know. But this future is happening right now. And major changes are occurring around us and will continue to occur. And some of those changes are going to be hard. That's why I encourage people, and this is not a fear-based statement, This is an empowering statement. Check out what we're doing at Crypto Viewing. If you don't go to CryptoViewing.com, then start on your own learning about cryptocurrencies so you can at least get the economical piece down. So you're not traumatized by or a victim of this new technology that comes out. If you work in a field that may be impacted by this new tech that's coming, start getting some different training. Start thinking about a career change. Can you use this knowledge to start training in a career field that's going to open up 
vast possibilities for the people that get in early. Maybe we can make the argument. Dennis, you say you don't like this agenda, yet you're telling us to get behind it and help bring it about. I don't like the agenda. And this comes back to what I struggle with. I also believe that this has already happened. It's, it's a done deal, and we can't stop it. And fighting it and resisting it will bring us more harm than it will to this system that we're trying to fight. I don't think that's where the battlefield is. And it's about finding that balance of still enjoying your life and still staying true to what you believe in your heart. I don't want to suffer my whole life. I don't find that balance, friends. We can still advocate for that change. But some things, I think, as it stands right now, are not going to change. This is all happening. And I'm excited for some of it. I get caught up in the, well, here's the bad stuff that's going to come with it. But some of this is amazing. We are being brought into an era where our the vast majority of people's perception of what's out there is about to expand. I think we're going to see some real contact at some point. We're going to see we're going to see people traveling to the moon and traveling to Mars and we are going to learn more about that. And that's exciting. I get frustrated knowing that we're being handicapped, that we're being limited. But there's so much potential. Now, if you're doing your inner work, you're developing your psychic abilities, you're going to be able to access and gather more information for yourself. Get that deeper understanding and get that growth, which is essential, I think, to human happiness. So there's some scary stuff going on, but I think we do have some solutions that we covered here. And I started off this show feeling pretty sad and depressed talking about some of my personal stuff, but I feel really good right now, my friends. I feel really good. And I thank you for listening and for taking the time uh, to be a part of this experience and this journey with me. I don't always get it right. I don't always present it the best way. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with sharing my mistakes with all of you on this journey as long as it, it brings you some something positive in your life. So here we are, Saturday, December 21st. Today is the day of the winter solstice, and we can look at this in from two ways. We could say this is the shortest and darkest day of the year. I could sell that. Or we could say today means that tomorrow brings back the rebirth of light. We are starting our journey. We are ascending again to bringing more light and warmth into our lives. There's an ebb and flow to this existence. Once we reach our darkest point, we move back to the light. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but there's hope. There is hope, my friends. And I share that with you, and I take that from you in a positive way, meaning you give me hope, you give me inspiration. So whatever holiday you celebrate, I'd like to wish you a very happy and healthy holiday season. Take some time. Unplug from the scary stuff. Know that it's there, but spend it with the ones that you love. Suspend the frustration if you can, and just enjoy 
being with the people who matter to you. And I'll see you on the other side, my friends. If you haven't done so already, check out Crypto Viewing. Check out Ray Davis of the Affirmation Spot. Check out SixthSenseMedia.net. Visit Dad Smith's website, RemoteView.com. Check out Edward Reardon on YouTube. Look at Dick Augier's Crypto Viewing YouTube page. And please, please, please consider purchasing a copy of I Am Human, Food for the Archons, Humanity's Psychic Connections, Simulated Realities, Parallel Worlds, and the Manipulation of Mankind. I believe that it will give you that foundational piece that can help you let go of some of those beliefs we hold so true and dear that limit us. All the links I talked about will be in the show notes at SixthSenseMedia.net. That's all the time I have, my friends. i got to go do some more preparation for the holidays now. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another fantastic episode of The Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. And let your intuition be your guide. Thanks for listening. Oh, <laughs> my